Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Have you ever heard a story that seemed improbable? Have you ever read anything that seemed impossible? Have you ever explored ideas and ideations of people and their journeys that convinced you that this does not happen to mere mortals? There was something divine about how they happened and there was a divinity about the person it happened to? Have you yourself been guilty of exaggeration? I know I have. But sometimes when you put all of this together in a life, you begin to wonder if God in his infinite wisdom chooses the right people at the right time for the right reason to reflect his resplendent glory. I remember in one such meeting many, many years ago, I was sitting down and listening to a man named John Bechtel. All my colleagues at the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries said, this is the talk that you need to be ready for. This is the man who will give you character advice that will puncture the very inner parts of your soul because they will demand an obedience. He says, this is the man whose life and example when you yourself reflect or put alongside will come up wanting. So he says, A, there will be guilt in you when you finish hearing it, but there will be a grandeur in the way it is shared. John Bechtel is a person I have met a couple of different times at different itinerant meetings and is a person I got to know in some way. But a little background on him and then one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard that I realized that one day if I got a chance to do a podcast or some kind of an ongoing message board that I would share his story. John Bechtel is the son of veteran Christian and Missionary Alliance missionaries who served for 51 years in Hong Kong and China. His bio says as a toddler he escaped with his mother on the last ship departing Hong Kong before the Japanese occupation of World War II. His father was interned by the Japanese in a concentration camp when John spent the war years with his mother in the United States, returning to Hong Kong at the age of seven. He was educated through high school in Hong Kong. He was the student body president of the high school and was very active in the athletic program. Now, I'm getting this uh, from obviously a bio that is online and some of it may have been added or deleted by the people who chose to put this bio up. Upon graduation from college in 1962, John was given a trip to Hong Kong where he observed the millions of people in crowded conditions. He said the desperate spiritual needs of the people convinced him that he should dedicate his life to serving Christ among the Chinese people and he returned to the United States to prepare for this ministry. He studied Bible for one year at Nyack College before moving to Florida with his new wife Donna, where he was the principal of Lakeland Christian School for a couple of years. Mr. Bechtel has a vital interest in missions and has promoted missions in many parts of the world, including New Zealand, Australia, England, Africa, Asia, the former Soviet Union, Europe as well. 
as through the United States extensively in both America and Canada. Mr. Bechtel has served on the Board of Managers of the Christian and Missionary Alliance from 76 to 81 and as the recipient of four honorary doctorates. The bio goes on and on and on about a man's journey, a man's commitment to the causation of that which he believed. But I go back to the meeting I was in and why I was enthralled and why every other time I've ever got to hear him, I went to the room with anticipation, sat there with recording or noting devices and left more filled than I have ever been filled before. For those of you listening to this, I encourage you to go online and research the life, the legacy, and the legend, I call it, of John Bechtel, a missionary with the Christian and Mission Alliance. But I remember in one of those events, one of the colleagues asked Mr. Bechtel to tell the story of the ice cream money. Apparently, this is one of his most famous stories about the giving and the innocence of giving. And I have never gotten enough of this story. I've told it in multiple settings, and so I'm going to make an effort to give an abridged version of this. When John and Donna returned to Hong Kong, they wanted to do something for the children that were leaving China. So one of the things they did was they said, let's start a camp of some kind. And in the repeated attempts with his own contacts with the people who he had been to school with, who were in now high positions of power, he started investigating the possibility of building, of land, of dormitories, of all of the things that come with running a camp, to establishing a camp, to uh, maintaining it, administration, whatever went with it. I don't know what goes into the making of a camp. But this was in the late 60s. Uh, the Vietnam War was on, and then the money was scarce as people were trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. So every direction they went, the number that kept being thrown at them, including a small island off the coast of Hong Kong that the person there said, hey, we can give it to you if you build a ramp to it or a jetty to it or whatever. Every number that ever came up was somewhere in the neighborhood of $250,000. $250,000 that his ministry didn't have, his mission didn't have, and he didn't have. And then along the way, Different evangelical organizations started visiting that part of the world because the war was on. And as they stopped, appeals went out to the United States asking for money. And everywhere, the coffers were dry. Many different stories are being combined here just for, for, uh, to make sure that we keep the missive short. But apparently, one of the things that happened during that time was the discovery of a camp that eventually got to be known as the Sundew Camp. It was an orphanage that had been started by some alliance, and as a result of it, could no longer be maintained. It was a multi-million dollar facility, they say, that had dormitories for students to stay. It had a gymnasium for them to play. It had administrative quarters for those that needed to be residents over there while they managed it. Anyhow, it was an impressive piece of land and property that they say in those days could value well over $2 million, but they decided to offer it for that number of $250,000 that John and Donna kept hearing everywhere. So one day some folks came there and an appeal was sent out to the United States by a close friend of his who went to different places trying to raise this money. And John Bechtel says one day he got that letter that says we have tried. And you know the proverbial dear John letter. 
We have tried and we have tried, but there is no money. And I'm sorry to say that even though your heart's in the right place and uh, we wanted to help, we are unable to locate any, any funds. But surprisingly, in that letter of regret was another letter. And the letter was from a young, young girl. And they decided to send this letter to John. And that letter just says, Dear Mr. Bechtel, I heard of your appeal for a camp. And as a result of that, I'm sending you two weeks of my ice cream money. Please buy your camp or something to that effect. But in that envelope was a dollar, and it was signed by a Belinda Holmes. Mr. Bechtel said that he looked at that dollar and he realized that this was all that God had given. Again, something so improbable, something so impossible, sounds better when it is told at a story, sounds better when we re-record the story and add the imagination and the intrigue to it. I don't know what the situation was in his mind at that time. I don't know what the situation is in your mind when you're down and you look at a dollar and you realize that anything given out of love in the name of God that is sowed in his name can actually prosper into something bigger. Like I said. It seems improbable. It seems impossible because the world we live in is so demanding. But John took that dollar and went to the people who wanted to sell him that camp for $250,000 and said, this is all I've been able to raise. I'd like to buy it with this. He jokingly says it different ways, but he says, I didn't know if they were going to throw me out of the room or jump out of the room themselves. But they decided to take that dollar and go back and deliberate. He said the exciting news three days later when they decided to come back as a board of directors and decide to sell him that campgrounds valued at a couple of million dollars for a single dollar is that itself. The story of legends and maybe things that uh, we think are exaggerated. But you can look up online and the trueness of the story is what makes it intriguing and what makes love so powerful and God's anointing so direct. And delivering. He bought the camp for a dollar. Hundreds of thousands of kids go through that camp. Many of them make a profession of faith. Many of them go through that camp and end up in prominent positions around the world. And Mr. Bechtel says as he traveled around the world, he ended up meeting some of these people who says, hey, I met Christ at your camp or I met deliverance at your camp and I now serve as a chef in a nice restaurant in Paris or somewhere else. A dollar. A dollar to buy a multi-million dollar facility. An appeal that goes out saying we want to provide something for an ongoing cause. A present continuous reality. A miracle that will not only fold, unfold, fold and unfold again. John Bechtel, one dollar from a woman a young girl who says, I heard your appeal and I'm sending you a dollar and it's two weeks of my ice cream money. Today, as I look back at that, I think of how amazing that story has always been to me. I've told it in churches where they were wondering where they could raise their money for. I myself have been the recipient of that kind of blessing many, many times in my life. When you come down to that last dollar, Mr. Ziegler always said, when you get to the end of your financial rope, tie a knot and hang on because the great God of deliverance is getting ready to reveal a miracle in you that seems impossible, that seems improbable, that seems that can never happen. But what's the rest of that story? The Sundew Camp? 
delivered what it was supposed to do. John Bechtel fulfilled his mission and went into retirement many years later after doing some amazing things in other parts of the world. His other stories are equally legendary. Whether they were on a train in, in another Asian country or in a part of uh, immigration in the former Uganda, each one of them is a miracle unto itself, as if the God of heaven sat on the shoulder of this man, guiding him to have this impossible experience all over the planet. But one day, he arrives back in Florida. He tells the story of his own life. Now it's not someone like me narrating it with a literary license and adding the exaggeration so there is intrigue to the ears of the people listening. John is by himself in a pulpit in Florida talking about his own life of extraordinary worth. With all humility, sharing the stories of how God delivered him time and time again and somehow decides to tell the story of the dollar from the girl who saved two weeks of her ice cream money and sent it half a world away so a man sitting across a negotiating table would have the audacity to give this dollar to a board of directors in exchange for a quarter of a million dollar worth of project. John is in a pulpit in Florida. He tells this story and a young girl rises and says, Dear Mr. Bechtel, my name is Belinda Holmes. I'm the one who sent you that money. Suddenly, John says he was confronted by a different kind of appeal. He says, all right, we're going to close the doors. Those that are in the parking lot need to be brought back in. Today, we're going to take a collection and send this girl to that part of the world to see what her dollar bought. Every time I hear that story, every time I've told it, the components of how they evolved are the same. The way in which we tell it change based on the mood. But as you look at the horizon today, as you look at the world today, what is the improbable miracle that you are hoping out for? What is the impossible that you are saying, not only I, do I believe I will get it? Now, this is not some kind of a prosperity rant. This is a rant based on the belief that the improbable does happen. Miracles do exist and there is goodness in this world that manifests if the recipient is innocent both because they believe that it is possible and the giver is innocent because they believe that what they sow will actually multiply. But they don't do it with the multiplication in mind. They do it with the innocence of giving. Is that our message for today when we look at innocence? That's how I title this, Innocence. Is there innocence in expectation? Is there innocence in want? Is there innocence in need? Is there innocence in performance? Is there innocence in just getting up and doing that which you feel you're called to do? Because miracles exist. Wherever in the world you go, can miracles exist? And like I said, go online, type in John Bechtel, Christian and Mission Alliance, try to find videos of his stories, and each one of them seems more intriguing than the other. Standing on a hilltop in a remote part of the world, looking at the valley below and realizing that that entire valley goes through a transformation, and John just titles that message, What is Your Known World? When you look at the ice cream money, or you look at the train in another Asian country, or you look at the immigration in an African country, each one of them focuses on the improbable. 
but they begin with the innocence of the moment. When you are in a situation, what can the good God of all creation, the great God that reigns above the sky, deliver for you, deliver within you, deliver through you, and deliver to you? Ultimately, everything that is fascinating, everything that is amazing, everything that is intriguing begins with the belief, can I be the beneficiary of something that is improbable? And if I can, can I relegate myself away from evidence and just accept innocence? Until next time, keep believing. That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.